All right, well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I just found out how early you all got up yesterday. Now it makes sense. Like yesterday during the, the video to just see people. <laughs> I thought, man, you should have. Well, you did it during my message, too. But I tried to get loud to keep you awake. But man, you guys are troopers. And then you forget early again. And who are the morning people in the room? Most parents are going to raise their hands. like, yeah, I don't even know what it means to sleep in anymore. But and who's not? You're like, oh, gosh, I hate this. Okay, I'm just curious. It has nothing to do with the message. Hey, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 8 and following. So if, if you would turn there, if you have your Bibles. Daniel chapter 1, starting verse 8. All right, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you. Thanks for letting us be up here. Every time I look across that lake in the morning, when I was here in the summer, it was the same thing. It was just, there was this, this fog or cloud over the top of it. God, I love in the Old Testament how that's a representation of your presence. What a beautiful reminder every morning that no matter what we've gone through the day before, you're with us. Like you're in the midst of us, and I'm just humbled by that. God, I know how often I get up and teach or lead a community, and sometimes prayer just kind of turns into the, the prep or the intro. God, I'm sorry when that happens, but this morning I'm just so in awe, and I'm so humbled that we get to be here. And I'm so thankful for the work that you started and the work that you'll continue, and the work you'll continue when we go down the hill. And so God, we commit this time to you. Would you please teach us new things and show us things, reveal things to us we've never seen before, never thought before? Holy Spirit, would you comfort and convict and encourage whatever's necessary to make us look like Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you help all of us in this room to be open to what you want to do? Would you reveal your truth from your word? God, would you please? God, we love you. We thank you for a time this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. <clears throat> My question to you so far as we start off this morning is, do you believe the Bible? And some would sit there and go, well, Brandon, we have, to, we have to study it. That wasn't my question. Do you believe it? And maybe for some, you don't. And for some, you've, maybe you did before. And you read parts in the scripture about, and God heals. And they still died. Or God protects, and they still got sick, or they still got hurt. Like maybe that tragedy has really impacted your view of Scripture. You're not even sure what to think about God. 
And if that's you, I just want to encourage you. God's not done with you yet. He's not given up on you. Guys, we all hit times where we have questions and doubts and concerns and things don't make sense. And, and God gets it. I love that the Bible tells us that we worship a God who sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. The Bible says that as a father shows compassion, so God shows compassion toward us. He remembers our frame. He remembers that we're made of dust. He is so gracious, and we hear these from the pages of the scriptures, but I know that for some of you, whatever it is that's happened in this last year, or you've gone through a season of years where it's just been this difficulty, and so you read the things in the scriptures, or, you're here, or you're here, you're, you'll hear people preach about the, the reality and the truth of the Bible and the beauty of God and God coming through, and in your mind, you are just keeping it to yourself. You're just, it's almost like you're in anguish going, but I don't see it. I just want to encourage you, you are in great company because the Bible is filled with the exact same people who thought and felt and went through the exact same things. I know that for many of you, if I read this verse and I say, for me, this, is re this really holds me up and a great reminder. And for those that don't believe the Bible, don't believe in God, and you sit there and go, that's, that's, like, that's, that's like a straw man's argument. It's like, okay, so you're just taking the best of this and making your point. Or you can't use the Bible to prove the Bible. But I ask you the question, why not? And I guess my next question for you would be this, then what are you using to prove your worldview would be superior? Because when I look at when I look over the centuries, once Jesus left his church to continue his work and left us his scriptures, friends, there's nothing, there's no worldview that compares with the influence, the positive influence on the world like the word of God. So I guess I have to ask you, if I'm not allowed to do that, then why, and oh, know my heart, if I'm not allowed to do that with the scriptures, why are, you to do, why are you allowed to do that with your own thoughts and your own opinions? The Bible says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped in every good work. Guys, I believe that all my heart. But I also believe that the Bible is reliable Guys, compared to any other writing in any point in history, nothing compares to the, to the accuracy or the, the reliability of the Bible. Guys, think about it. It has 40 different authors. It's written in three different languages from three different continents over 1,500 years, and it's a cohesive whole. It agrees with each other. And I know that maybe sit there and go, I've found some con contradictions. I saw this YouTube video that was made in the, mama's, the guy's mama's basement. But it, I saw this YouTube video, and it disproved the Bible. Guys, think about it. Really, in a five-minute video, it disproved the Bible. Did they look at the historical context? Did they look at the context of the whole book and then take that book of the Bible, then the whole Bible itself? Did they do that, or was it just, I found two, two verses that sound different? Guys, that doesn't prove anything. So here's an example. If we were to go home, and all of a sudden we walk out on Euclid, right? We're walking up, and we just find 100 different people, and we ask them all just their opinion. Hey, what's your opinion on, actually, let's do this. Who are you going to vote for? Well, that's fun, right? That'll get everyone ticked. 
Or what's your view on abortion? One place, one day. Do you think that all 100 people would agree on that one topic? Absolutely not. There's no way. Yet isn't it amazing that a book written by 40 different people from all walks of life over a 1,500-year span, three different languages, three different continents, and it's a cohesive whole. It agrees. Here's an example when you get to messianic prophecies. Prophecies are things that were talked about the Messiah coming, predicting what the Messiah would be like. There's over 300 messianic prophecies. So this mathematician, this professor, has his class to say, we're going to do a project. Let's find out the probability of one person coming and fulfill just eight of those 300-plus messianic prophecies. This is the number that they came away with. The probability that one person would come and fulfill just eight of those 300 plus messianic prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. Now all you math buffs are like, dang. All you non-morning people are like, whatever. (laughs) Guys, that's 10 with 17 zeros after it. So let's put this into perspective. What's your name, Dean? Ryder. Ryder. Dude, that's like a strong name. That's better than Brian. I'm, I'm not sure Brian, but I'm a Brian. So I was like, I'm going to change my name. Me and Ryder. Okay, Ryder, we go from here. Okay, we're going to fly to Texas. Hume's going to pay for it first class. That's where we're going to go. We're going to fly to Texas, just you and me. We're going to chill out in Texas for a while. And then we're going to find 10 to the 17th power in silver dollars. It's going to cover the state of Texas two feet deep. That number in silver dollars will cover the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars. So then I take Ryder say, dude, come here. And I mark one with a red X, and I chuck it in the middle of the state of Texas. And then we stir. We stir the whole state. Then I blindfold you. I say, Ryder, you got one shot. And if you find the one, you get it all. Dang. Friends, the same probability, the same probability that Ryder would find that one silver dollar with an X on it on the first try is the same probability that one person would come and fulfill just eight of the Messianic prophecies, and Jesus fulfilled all 300 plus. Friend, it's, it's at a level of impossibility. And he did it. And so when people say, oh, the thing with faith, it's like you got to check your brain at the door. Really? Guys, there's evidence for this. And there will always be a step of, I need to take a step of faith. But there's evidence that points to this, that points to the reliability of the scriptures. In Daniel chapter 1, the, verse three, the first three words of verse 8 was this, but Daniel resolved. He made a decision beforehand. Guys, I feel like a lot of times we're just kind of driven by the circumstances. It's like, well, this is how I felt in the moment, so I'm going to make the decision. So, example. Uh, remember we were singing that song, and then um, Kendall brought up, maybe you struggle with some addictions or this, or we go through that. Mine was, back in the day, it used to be Soda. And I would drink like 40, four 44-ounces every day. And not the diet stuff. Like, what's the point of that? It's like, well, that's healthier. Well, I wouldn't say it might be healthier, but it's not healthy. But I'm like, man, but I eat in the morning because I don't drink coffee because I have the taste buds of a two-year-old. So I was like, I don't like coffee. I didn't understand. I feel like I'm drinking dirty water. And so I didn't like that. But so I like, get the 44-ounce and I'd keep the cup because it was like a dollar to fill it up. So $4 a day I could get through of like Mountain Dew or Coke, and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go, and, and then I hit this crash, and I'm all tired by the end of the night. Guys, all of a sudden, I go to my doctor, and he's like, you're pre-diabetic, and I'm like, I don't understand why. I don't understand why. I might have a Coke every once in a while, and then God gave me freedom. It's like, I don't have, when he told me that, I was like, oh, something's got to change. 
But here's the other one is food. See, when we hear the word addiction, we always think like drugs or alcohol, and that's about all we land with. But food is kind of like, you ever find yourself um, living to eat instead of eating to live? And that was a, that was a, it's been a struggle. It's been a fight. I'm now at the point where like, I feel like there's some freedom, like I'm getting it finally, but I have to make the decision before I go to a restaurant because they always put the pictures of the, one, of the things you really want. It's like, oh my gosh, nachos with brisket and gravy. It's like anything you can throw on it. <laughs> they don't usually, I mean, they, play, they may take a picture of a salad, but it's with all the stuff that makes it not healthy. And you're like, that's healthy. If I eat that with, and I just drowned it in ranch, that's of the Lord. <laughs> and I found myself going, God, I don't want to be like that. And you say, well, it's not a big deal. It's just food. No, I'm mastered by it. So I have to make a conscious decision a lot of, most of the time, 95% of the time now. I'll look up the menu on my phone and I'll pick it before I get there. And that's what I stick to. Guys, they resolved. But why do they resolve? Because they're going to get the king's food. Whatever the king eats, they get it. And this is a three-year process of them learning all the culture of that day. Of being kind of drowned in the literature and the language and the worship of their gods and occultist practices. Three years of this, and they say, we can't do this. Why? Because the scriptures tell us we can't. So it says, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And friends, I think we could learn a lot from that. The word asked. He didn't demand, hey, I don't have to do that, and then just rip into him and give him a Christian version of the bird. It's like, I didn't, he didn't do that. He asked. He was polite. Friends, I wonder how many of you could learn a lesson from this. Because when entitlement starts to sink in, you actually think that you have a right to something. Friends, the only right I have is to hell. That's what I deserve. Everything else, I go to, the, I go to God for mercy. God, mercy, God, please. And yet I find pride welling up inside of me, and I hate it. But he asked, and do you realize that they granted that? And for a certain amount of time, they test this. Like, you get vegetables and water. That's what we want. Give us vegetables and water. And that sounds horrible. I know there were some if you're vegan, you're like, that's heaven. That's heaven. But for the carnivores, nope. You're sitting there going, um, I want to eat meat. And all of it, right? You ever been to one of those all-you-can-eat meat buffets? A Brazilian barbecue, friends, it's like, oh, you can just hear your heart saying, please stop. And you're like, no, I want to see the Lord today. <laughs> We're going. And after the time that showed that they were right, and God blessed them, but they asked him. Guys, when you get down to verse seven, uh, 17, as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought, and the chief, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and it all came from verse 17, because God gave them. God did this. He did everything that was necessary, and he provided for them. 
Guys, the Bible is so important. And yet I believe we, we in the States, and this is the, only, this is the only context I really understand. This is where I live. But over the years, I believe that right now we are living in the most biblically illiterate culture in the history of the church in our states. Because we settle for a verse of the day. Get it sent to your email. You can read it. I spent time with the Lord. I read a verse. You ever notice how often we just kind of treat God like another subject to study? Can you imagine if I treated my wife like that? I'm married, my, my wife's name is Kelly, she's awesome and gorgeous and loves the Lord, and you're sitting there going, really? I'm like, I know. Mercy, mercy, thank you, God, for mercy. And then I'm her ministry. But like, can you imagine if I treated her like this? Like, hey, right now, hey, babe, we're supposed to talk because we're married. I have to talk to you because we're married. So I'm gonna talk for 15 minutes, but don't interrupt. I'm just gonna talk for 15 minutes because isn't that what prayer turns into? God, thank you for this day. That's how you dial the number. God, thank you for... Now here's my list. God, would you, would you please, please do, oh, not please, would you do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Hey, you're like the barista at Starbucks, get it done, and if you don't do it quick enough, then no tip for you. Here's my list, God. And then 15 minutes, it's like, okay, God, your turn. And then you read. But can you imagine if I did that to my wife? Hey, babe, just listen, this is what I need you to do. Would you do, can you imagine I just give her a list? Wouldn't that be great? She's going to go, wow, lucky lady. And then afterwards, I go, okay, I'm done. Your turn to talk. Go. And I time it. And then after 15 minutes, I go, stop. Oh, thank goodness that's over. I don't have to talk to you until tomorrow. We'll see you later. Would you sit there and go, great husband. Oh, she is blessed. And yet, isn't that what we do with God sometimes? Guys, when's the last time you wasted time with God? That's my new thing. I'm trying to learn this pace of Jesus. Following Jesus just doesn't, do, it doesn't mean just do what he says. It's learn his life, his lifestyle. Here's a word. Hey, all you really busy people, when Jesus actually says, I want you to rest in the Sabbath, in the Old Testament, isn't it amazing? We like the Ten Commandments. We really want people to do those. I don't want you to murder me. I don't want you to steal my stuff. I don't want you to covet what I have. But when it comes to taking a day of rest, we sit and go, nah, we don't have to do that one. He doesn't understand how busy we are. And let me ask you the question. This is the thing he's been convicting me on lately. How's that working out for you? Overworked, always tired. Overworked, always tired. More anxious than ever. What's the, think about it. What if you took a day of rest? Did nothing. Wasted time with God. When's the last time you just lost, you lost track of time with God? In this book, friends, God wants us to know him, our plight, and what abundant life looks like. Some years ago, I, was, uh, I, was, I had fallen asleep. I fall asleep in like four seconds. It doesn't take me long. My wife knows if I get into bed, we're not talking. It just doesn't happen. I can't. And it's not that I don't care what she's thinking or saying. I just can't stay awake. Boom, I'm gone. But I'll, I, usually, I usually wake up about an hour and a half later, and I can't go back to sleep. And so, I mean, for 15, 16 years, and I always blame it on my son who's 17 just to play with him, but it's like, I haven't been able to sleep for a really long time, so I'll just, I was just laying there, but all these thoughts, and maybe you get these, these thoughts of, hey, you're a horrible husband, you're a horrible father, no one listens when you preach, you're, you're a crappy pastor, no one wants to follow you, it's like everything that I was about me, it's like everything, I'm all in for this, I want to love my family, well. I want to love the people God's entrusted to me, well. I'm like, I can't get it to stop. 
And I, had, I was on this Bible reading plan. Has anyone ever, has anyone ever had that thing? It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read the Bible in a year. You ever had that? And so I said, I'm going to do it. And I was, I was about six months behind at this point because I, I didn't until I didn't stick with it. So I thought, I'm going to get up and read the Bible. And friends, I don't do well reading on a phone or on a screen. Like, I want to write in my, my book. I want to write in the Bible. But for some reason, I grabbed my phone and I walked into my boy's room. They were sharing a, bo- they were sharing a room at the time. I didn't wake him up, kept the lights off. And I sat down in their bedroom. I just leaned up against one of the boys' beds. Friends, here's the passage. Let me find it real quick. If you have a Bible, you want to go turn to it. Isaiah chapter 43. You don't have to, but this is where I should have been six months before. But God knew that I would slack off. Now remember what I'm thinking. I'm horrible at everything. I'm not, I'm not fulfilling it. I'm not, not doing well. I don't love my wife well enough. I don't love my kids well enough. And then I get to this passage. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. And here's these first two words. Fear not. Oh, I'm like, oh, this might be one of those moments. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine by name. Guys, doesn't it make you feel special when somebody remembers your name? But who here is bad at remembering people's names besides myself? You're okay at it? You gotta teach us your trick. Because there'll be, a, I'm no joke, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, I don't have no clue. Someone will say the name and I, I get on it, and seriously, they start talking, and in my mind, I go, What was their name? Like, I'm still talking, it's been four seconds. It's horrible. And it's always terrifying, like if I go to a camp and I haven't seen, I mean, maybe it's three or four years since I've seen these, like a freshman, they're a senior now, Brian, I was at the camp you spoke at, remember we talked, do you remember my name? Lord, in my head, Lord, the rapture, (laughs) this would be a good time, or death, I don't care. Um, I I think I called you buckaroo, nope, okay, I don't remember. He's like, you, I called you by name. Like, he knows you. You're not just one of the eight and a half billion. And he just keeps track of the, the mob of people. He knows you by name. Like, I thought, man, you're seeing me right now. Don't be afraid. I'm the one that redeemed you. I called you by, ma- by name. You are mine. Oh, God's saying you're mine. Guys, that is one of the best parts of our identity with God. I'm his. And because I'm his, he's mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. When, not if. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And maybe for some, you hear that passage and go, man, I feel like I've been burned. Brian, if I sat down eye to eye, knee to knee with you, and told you my story of what this last year has looked like, this doesn't seem true. Guys, you ever got that phone call? A family member or a friend tells you, I have cancer. And you're like, God, what? 17 years ago when my wife called me to tell me that because I didn't know I was supposed to go in and she had my two-year-old and my one-month-old. And the doctor just said, oh, you're going to take that lump out of your 
neck out because, oh, good, because you have cancer, and that's my wife. Here's my two-year-old and one-month-old, and she's trying to be strong for them. I'm not there. And when she called to tell me, I didn't sit there and go, I count up pure joy, God. Woo! I can't wait to see the miracle. It broke me. And the church I was at at the time, I'd only been there maybe a year, a little bit less. And man, it hit, and it hit hard. And I remember making it to the next parking lot, and I pulled the car over, and I'm like, God, you're giving me the shaft. My whole life's about you. And I can't protect her. I can't fix this. You been there? Brian, I would never talk to God like that. Read the Psalms. How long, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? You been there? You know who wrote that? David. The one that God said, this is a man after my own heart. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to write that and becomes part of our scriptures. I think that's the invitation that God gives. Just be honest. So I'm like, I would never do that. Then you're a really polite liar when you pray. But lying is a sin. I remember it. And I'm so thankful that God worked through and did things in that. And yet I'd get mad and frustrated and doubt. And it's this whole thing. And, that, and yet the people that were, I was with, like the, the pastors that I got to work with at the time, man, they just rallied around. I still remember the first Sunday after I got the news, I'm standing in this worship service. And our lead pastor stands. He's like, I want everyone to stand and grab hands. Guys, there's a few thousand people that are over three services. They're joining hands and praying for my wife. And then people start like, I want to sign up. We need to bring you meals. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why I got all fat. It's like meal after meal. I was like, what do I do with the leftovers? It's like, we got to buy another freezer. Ask the neighbors, can we use your fridge? I saw the church become the church. And the sovereignty of God became the reality that I lived in that actually brought peace. Guys, it didn't mean, this does not mean that I'm not going to face difficulties. It didn't say if, it says when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. He's got you. I don't like this part of the journey. I know, I don't either. I continued. When you, I'm sorry, verse, uh, and the verse two, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as a ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you were precious in my eyes and honored and I loved you. Did, you. did you catch that? That's the part. Because you were precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. All these thoughts of feeling like I wasn't measuring up. No one could love me. I feel like I'm a failure. And here comes God going, are you kidding me? Because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And to hear the creator of the universe from his word to remind me. And I love you. And right there in my boy's bedroom, I was wondering why I was in there. I just started bawling, but quietly, because you don't want to wake up the puppies. But just doing that cry, ugly cry. It's like quiet, <laughs> trying to not to, Then you make noises. Have you been in a wedding where the dad of the bride gets up? It's like, okay, I told myself I wasn't going to cry, and I'm going to cry. And then they make that, and they make that noise that comes out. That, I'm like, don't let it come out, because I don't want the puppies to wake up. 
And as I sat there, this question came to my mind. Why do you love these two? And by faith, I answered, I said, because, because they're my boys. And by faith, this is all I heard after that, me too. It wasn't about performance. It like freed me. God's like, I just love you because you're mine. You're mine. You're my boy. Oh, man, ugly cried. I got on the face. I'm not on the carpet. We're losing it. I'm thankful I didn't wake up. And I went back to bed and slept the rest of the night. Not one more thought hit me that night. Friends, I don't want you to read the Bible so you'd be a good Christian. There's no such thing as a good Christian. I want us to spend time in the Word because we want to love Jesus more. We want to know Jesus better. Guys, memorize. Do you still have memory verses? All, Bible, all the Bible teachers are like, yeah, they get longer as they get older. I get that. You know why we memorize Scripture? Because we want the Word of God in us. So that when things come up, I don't have to sit and go, where was that? We can sit and go, oh, the Word of God says boom, 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 boom. We just want to love him more, be with him more, listen to him more. And yet it's become something you just check the box. I was a good Christian. I prayed today. Check. I read the Bible today. Check. I even read Leviticus. Check plus. I made it through that, mother. Oh, dang. Look at me. But friends, I'll tell you this. So let's just say, I don't read the Bible. Friends, I'm convinced that it is impossible to know the will of God if you're not in the word of God. Students, it's impossible. Start now. But here's the thing. Find somebody to teach you how to do it because it's not like any other book. Again, you come home from camp, you're like, I'm gonna read the Bible. Oh man, objective for Jesus. I'm gonna start, you're starting Genesis and go right through it. Like, I'm gonna read the Bible, all the whole thing today because I'm ready. And you get through Genesis, and you're like, oh, that was, it got a little tough. And then you get to Exodus, first half's okay kind of stories. Then you get to the middle going, man, I don't like this part. This is rough. Then Leviticus, you're like, what the heck is this? Then Numbers, oh, wow, this is how many people were in this clan and this tribe. You're like, done, done. I know the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord is that I never eat again. Students, I'm begging you, find someone who loves Jesus and ask them, how do you spend time with God in the Word? Adults, teachers, if you don't do it, guys, if I don't spend time with the Lord, first and foremost, I am not good at being a good pastor for my people. The people that God's entrusted, you know what they need most from me? That I love Jesus more. And adults, we can keep falling behind the excuse, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. And at some point, we have to realize that at no point do we see Jesus run anywhere. And you see how often he got up in the middle of the night to just go spend time with the Father. Brian, I need my sleep. And as if Jesus is sitting there going, I forgot about that. I never slept for 33 years. We can keep making excuses, friends, but we will always find time for that which is most important to us. Guys, this isn't a legalistic thing. This is my heart just playing. My, my heart crying out, would you please, would you please ask someone, show me how to do it. Don't start in Genesis. Start with Mark. Go subheading to subheading. It takes a few minutes. Write one thing that stood out to you and then just pray something according to what you read. Start there, guys. That's how I did it. And I learned at 19, not before. At 19 was the first time somebody at this camp, at some, at some little breakout session, showed me how to spend time with the Lord. And guys, I did it for 20-something years the same way. And man, God opened my heart to things. Because the word of God is true and right and reliable. Guys, it's in the Bible. The Bible says that, says that in the beginning, God... That when the beginning began, God already was. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the Bible that says, and I mentioned it last night, that he's the one who knits us together in our mother's womb. That God is the one who created male and female. You know what that means? Every person on the planet created male or female has intrinsic value. It's not dependent upon how they've lived or their conduct of the day. They deserve to be treated with respect and value because the creator put them together. God is the creator of all people and all people groups. Bigotry and racism have no place in the church and it all comes from the scriptures. Because it's the Bible that says where God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's the Bible that says where Jesus looks at a group of people and says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. The way that I teach the law, take my yoke and learn from me. Why? Because I'm gentle and lowly at heart. And you'll find what? Rest for your souls. Guys, it's in the Bible that we read that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And for some, all the Christian school brats, because I'm one, remember? It's like, I already know that one. Oh, but is it in your heart? Do you feel like he loved us this much? Guys, it's in the Bible we see what it is that Jesus endured and went through so he could have us. It's in the Bible that we learn that he resurrected from the dead, having victory over sin and death. It's in the Bible that tells us that before Christ, I was dead in my transgressions. I was an object by nature, but I was an object by nature of the wrath of God, and we'll look at that later. But it's in the Bible that it says, oh, but by grace you've been saved. Through faith, and this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. And you are God's workmanship. You're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. Guys, it's in the Bible. We hear Paul say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Guys, Paul is unstoppable. Guys, he said that while he's under house arrest, while he's in prison. He says, for me to live as Christ, to die again, it's in Philippians, the letter of joy. So imagine if he's chained up to a Praetorian guard, or if the Praetorian guard's in the room, can you imagine all the Praetorian guards getting ready for the next shift and like, who's going in? This guy drives me nuts. All he does is talk about Jesus. I'm not doing it. So they do rock, paper, scissors, Roman style. Then one guy goes in, I lost, okay, and looks at Paul, if you talk about Jesus, if you talk to me about Jesus, I will kill you. And Paul's like, ooh. You promise? Because the dude said that yesterday and he didn't come through. So you will kill me. I'll kill you. Oh, okay. Whew. Let me tell you about Jesus. Why? Because for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. The Bible, it says that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ. Because it's in the Bible that we hear it say, hey, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ those regrets that still plague your mind and your heart and are still impacting your identity and how you see yourself and how you treat other people. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the Bible that says this. What do we do with suffering? What's the purpose in it? 
Oh, because God's doing a great work. He's developing in his character. And he's teaching us what hope and endurance looks like. Guys, it's the Bible that tells us all these things. And yet we're too busy. And yet we think we know the will of God. And yet we don't spend time with him and sit down and listen and wait and rest and waste time in the presence of God because we're too busy doing what? Guys, I don't doubt we get busy. I'm just asking, what do we get busy with? Last one, and I'll land the plane. In Revelation chapter 21, all the Bible scholars are like, Revelation, yes. I'm just going to explain the whole book right here in four, four seconds. I figured it out. Here's what it is. I have no clue what's going to happen in the end. I don't understand it. I just know Jesus wins and we're called to be faithful. We're just going to watch what happens. But what about, I don't care. I'm going to be faithful no matter what. But listen to this end part. Oh, this is awesome. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of the heavens from, I'm sorry, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Guys, does that not sound awesome? No more death. No more dying. No more sickness. No more cancer. No more school shootings. No more oppression. No more poverty. He's like, it will all be righted. But oh, the joy of the reunion He's like, like a bride prepared for her husband. I remember doing this wedding. This is the last story. I'm done. I'm doing this wedding. At, it was in Missouri, and it's in the summer. Good night. I feel like I'm just swimming through humidity. And I don't know if you noticed, I sweat a little bit. Like I've, I feel like I have to sweat pores of like quarters. Like they're massive. I, I, I sweat peeling oranges. It just always has. So I'm there. I'm like trying not to die. And I always have this thing with the grooms before they go out. Because my youth pastor did it to me. I do it to everybody else. And before we go out, he's all nervous. He's like, okay, there's even a prayer time. It looks like game time. Like, here we go, here we go. We're going, we're going. Play like champions today. We're good. And then, right before we got, I look at him, I go, dude, have you seen her yet? No, no. Dude, wouldn't it, wouldn't it suck if you went blind right before you saw her? And I say, let's go. And then we walk out. And, <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know why I do it other than I did it happened to me. So I do it to this guy. He laughs, we go out, it, hopefully it takes the nerve off because no one's ever lost their sight. So he's standing there next to me and I have this rule. Almost every way that I do, when the, when the bride comes down or they come down the aisle, I step to the side and I pull them over because she's not there to see this. She's like, there's that handsome pastor. <laughs> Nobody does that. So I scoot over and I pull that dude to the side. This is what it's supposed to be about. So she's coming around the corner no joke. All he, when she walked out, <laughs> this is how he reacted. He goes, ah! <laughs> and he bends over and starts crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you dying? Like, what happened? He's crying as, as she's walking alone. Oh, this is awesome. So I step over and I bring him over. She gets to the back row. And no joke, here's this bride. 
And she starts doing this. <laughs> she starts jumping. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> that reaction has never left my mind when I read this passage. As a bride adorned to meet her husband, that joy and excitement and passion, like we've been waiting for this day. Friends, one day we will get to see Jesus in all of his glory. The fullness of joy is before him. At his right hands are pleasures forevermore. Guys, we get him. He says, one day I will right every wrong. But until that day, resolve. Resolve to obey. Resolve to live for the glory and the honor of Jesus. Friends, can I pray for us? Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I look forward to the day I see you. But until then, I love the intimacy that you offer me, Holy Spirit. And that's like the first taste, the first fruit of what we will experience in your presence. But until that day, God, may we resolve to live in obedience, to live at your pace, to be apprentices to you, because you're worth it. And we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all more than you know.